listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Are you all excited to be here this morning? All right. Well, I'm so glad to have you here this morning. This is the last week of a series called Good Song, Bad Theology. I hope you've had a fun time with it. We try to keep it light and airy. It ain't been light and airy. Like Tony last week came up and was choosing violence with y'all guys. And so... uh, it is what it is, but um, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for everybody watching online, too. Um, but this is the week. This is the one you've all been waiting for. T-Swizzle, Taylor Swift. Come on, man. Everybody's so excited about this. I know it. Um, what was hilarious in first service was all of the looks of disdain and hate on the front, but then Zach and Tony in the back just, like, rocking with it, you know, like, whoa, 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 you know, it was so funny, but... Um, one time at a, at a staff meeting at New Covenant, somebody was kind of like jacking with me and uh, just picking on me. It was just fun banter. But um, Pastor Stephen, I would always try to say stuff to him that made his head pop. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody do that? Like you just mess with people around you and you try to say stuff that makes them go, dude, like what are you talking? Like stop, you know? I, I used to do that with Stephen all the time. And so one day somebody's picking on me. I said, you know what? This is like the great one says. People throw rocks at things that shine. And he looked at me exasperated. He said, you think Taylor Swift is the great one? And I was like, no, Stephen, but seeing your head pop off your shoulders is pretty hilarious right now, you know, but he thought it was so funny. But um, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky's the great one, all right? Any hockey fans? Yeah, sorry, we live in Texas. Yeah, you're like, what's hockey? Hockey is slippery soccer. Um, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> all right. Um, she, of course, is not the great one. Um, today, though, I want to talk to you about expectations. Expectations is what we're going to talk about. Here's the disclaimer. Expectations are not good or bad. They're neither. They're neutral. Expectations are just like money, okay? Money's not good. It's not bad. What you do with money is good or bad. And what you do with expectations can be good or bad. So when you are expected that God is going to move or that he's going to come through or that he's going to do what he said he would do, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would encourage you to do that. I hope you did that when you walked in this morning. I hope you walked in thinking, I'm going to experience the Holy Spirit today. I'm going to worship. I'm going to glorify him. And there's going to be a message. And I'm going to be encouraged and built up. And I'm going to be challenged. And I'm going to be pushed and prodded and poked. But I'm going to leave knowing that I'm closer to Jesus and I'm, and I'm tighter with my church family. I hope you had that expectation this morning. The issue is when you elevate that expectation in a way that causes us to reject God as our source, to reject his timing, and then to idolize that thought process over what he actually said. That's when expectations become bad. So just like when we say that God doesn't matter if you have nice things, God just doesn't want nice things to have you. The same thing with expectations. God doesn't mind you having an expectation. Just don't let that expectation be the center driving force of your life. Well, God, you said this, and you're not doing it. Well, hold on a minute. Are you not doing it, or is he really not doing it? Or is he not doing it like you want him to do it? Taylor Swift had some expectations in this song she wrote called Red, which is the good song, bad theology focus for today. Now, due to copyright and because Facebook and all that craziness, we're going to cut the stream for a moment. So it's going to be a minute and 30 seconds. So if you're watching online, um, be sure to uh, be sure to like just hang with us. Um, and it, whether you're here or watching online as well, if you go to version and click events and click Freedom Church, you'll be able to follow and you can actually read the words and all that kind of stuff. All right. What y'all think about that one? Okay, time out. It's a toe tapper, okay? At least that. It's a toe tapper, right? So we always like, and y'all fighting it too. Like, I can't stand it. So, mm. 
Oh, but look at my toe. Look at my toe. Your toe like it. <laughs> One big toe. One big toe likes it, but no, Zach likes it, y'all. It's like, so, look, my wife thinks this is hilarious about me, but like one of my favorite artists, like my, favorite, my favorite band of all time is U2. I, 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 I love that band. I, just, I went to a concert in 05. It was the most amazing thing. It was awesome. Um, but Monique always, <laughs> she always makes fun of me because I really like Celine Dion. You know what I'm saying? I'm your lady. Like, I like it. I mean, I, just, I listen to Celine Dion. Come on, man. Like, if I'd be front row to Celine Dion like this, just like, woo, you know, like, I'd be having a blast, right? That's Zach at Taylor Swift. <laughs> he, he, he trips y'all out with all these, like, rocker ska bands, you know, Christian rocker bands, but no, he'd really be at T-Swift just like, woo, sing red. I'm kidding. <laughs> all right, so what can we learn today from T-Swift? Um, First, we can learn what not to do, okay? Let's not do what she did in this song. So here's, here's the first point. I'm going to hit you with some points today, and, and we'll, uh, we'll learn something from her. Okay, first point is this, simply this. Expectation makes you reckless. Expectation makes you reckless. Loving him is like driving a new Maserati down a dead-end street. Well, that's dumb. Faster than the wind, passionate as sin. Okay, I see a problem there. Ending so suddenly, typically how sin ends. Loving him is like trying to change your mind once you're already flying through the free fall. Um, like the colors in autumn so bright just before they lose it all. Okay, um, got some problems here. Now, a little side note. If you want to learn more about expectation and how God wants you to use expectation, I'd invite you to grab a book out there on the thing. It's called What Do You Really Want? That is a series that we did here at Freedom in October of 2020 when we first did our soft launch. And um, a lot about expectation there, how to have healthy expectations. So be sure to grab that if you want that. But let me give you some scenarios, okay? Because, because I was trying to figure out when I listened to the song, what did she really expect would happen by driving a Maserati down a dead-end street? Now, y'all understand what a Maserati is. Not just a very expensive car, but a very fast car, okay? All the guys are like, yeah, go I know what a Maserati Yeah, I love a Maserati. You know, I could drive it. Would you drive it? Would you drive a Maserati? I'd be like, I'd trade it down on a Ford F-250 is what i do, and it maybe so. But what would you expect to do something like that? What would you expect would come out of that? Okay, let me give you some other scenarios. You're at your office um, you, 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 where you work, and you eat the boss's apple that's in the fridge. How do you think that's going to work out? Who ate my apple, all right? Um, your dad said, wait here, but you got impatient. Y'all, you know what we did yesterday? We took our kids to Target on Garth Road in Baytown. Why? At the end, I was just going, hold on to the cart before. Jesus, come back now. Jesus, come back now. <clears throat> and then we took them to Walmart. You know why? Because we're masochists. That's why. That's exactly why. We took them to Walmart next. So that's wildness. Um, what about this? Everyone is telling you not to fall for her, but you do it anyway. She's bad for you. Your wife tells you to go to the grocery store, but you go to the driving range instead. <laughs> Where are my boys at? Oh, food? I was duck hunting. No. Um, what did you expect was going to happen with these situations? Now, you think these are just random situations, but they're not. Um, uh, ate, the, ate the boss's apple. That's Adam and Eve. Um, your dad said, wait here, but you got impatient. That's your boy Abraham. Um, everyone is telling you not to fall, her, fall for her. That's Israel constantly chasing after the bells. Um, your wife tells you to go to the grocery store. Bro, that's, jo that's Jonah right there. God said, go to Nineveh. 
And then God said, oh, so you'd rather go to a big fish, huh? You'd rather go into a fish belly. That's what you want to do. Sometimes your wife wants to put you in a fish belly when you don't do what you're told to do, right? I'm going to pick on Abraham for just a minute. We're going to read passages of Scripture from three consecutive chapters, starting in Genesis 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Here's what it says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir to my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them, that's then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Y'all, that last phrase is wild. Abram walked outside and looked up and saw the stars in the heaven. And y'all know y'all can't count stars. Y'all ever tried to? I tried to count them. I tried to count them one time when I was little. You get lost because there's a bunch of them. Tons and tons of stars up there. And Abram looked at that. And even though he was childless, even though his wife was old and he was old and she was barren, even so, he still said, God, I believe you no matter what. I'm going to believe what you said. I'm going to stand here right now looking up at what you tell me I'm going to be like. This is what my life is going to look like. And it's not right now, but I'm still going to believe you. Do you believe God like that? Because God, Abram believed so much. He believed it so deeply that God said, you know what? That's righteousness inside of you. Let's go to the next chapter. Genesis 17. 15 through 20. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I'm sorry, excuse me. Genesis 16. I jumped too far. Genesis 16, 1 through 6. So we read 15, 1 through 6. Apologies, let's read 16, 1 through 6. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Okay, so let me stop right here. We just heard the Lord say, Bubba, you're going to have a son, and your descendants will be as the stars. In the very next chapter, we hear Abram's wife saying, God is the one that closed my womb. Could it be that the reason the promise isn't happening in your life right now, simply because you're standing out here blaming God instead of believing the promise? Okay, like I'm trying to be nice to y'all, but I got to let y'all know a lot of times what we do in our lives is we believe what we can see and not what we can't see. And baby, that ain't faith. Faith is believing in what you can't see. Some of y'all are standing here right now and you have no clue how God is going to do X, Y, and Z. You have absolutely no clue. And rather than just trusting the God that gave you your salvation to begin with, you're going to sit here and say, well, I don't know what to think. So I'm just going to do, I'm just going to think something else. I'm gonna, God is the reason why this ain't happening to me. That's wild, y'all. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, the husband, uh, her husband, as wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she, Hagar, looked with contempt upon her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. She is just blaming everybody. Everybody. You know anybody like that? They'll blame everybody and Jesus. It's the ladybug's fault. It's whatever's fault. 
May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Ooh, that's dangerous. Dangerous, Sarah. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. And Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Okay, so we got chapter 15. Everything's good. Promise, righteousness, woo, faith. We get the next chapter. Sarah is blaming God. And all of a sudden now, Abraham seems like he's going along with this little situation here. Let's go to 17 now. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall, and, and, uh, and she shall become nations, kings of people who uh, shall come from her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as, uh, as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes, and I will make him unto a great nation. Okay, let me just, there's a few things here. I wish I, wish I could just take time with this because there's so much to it. But I want you to see a couple things. Number one, God changed Sarah's name, and he chose to bless her. So here's what I want you to see. It don't matter how much you doubt in in chapter 16, that if you will submit to the Lord and allow him to be your Lord, you will find that you will have the blessing in chapter 17. Some of y'all just living in chapter 16 right now, and you ain't got to chapter 17 right now, and it's simply for one reason. You have not submitted yourself to the Lord. You see, her name got changed in the Old Testament. Anytime you changed a name, it meant that you took ownership of that thing. You see, something happened, and Sarah was able to give herself fully to the Lord in that moment. And as a result, the blessing. It didn't say that she would birth nation. She became nations. The very thing that God's got for you, it's in there, but you've got to let the Lord pull it out of you. There's so much here. There's so much here. Abram fell on his face and laughed, and he said, Shall a child be born? My goodness, can we all agree that Abram was reckless? Of course he was reckless. Recklessness defined as this, an action done without thinking or caring about the consequences of that action. See, expectation makes us reckless, and that's exactly what Abram was doing. He thought, you know what? I've got to fix this thing, God. I've got to do this. I've got to help you out. You know why? Because I'm old. And you got this old bag over here with me, and she's blaming you for it, and you're trying to get a child out of us. So God, let me help you out. Interestingly enough, we see that, 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 that as Abram tried to fix the problem, he just created more problems. You know the situation we got in the Middle East right now? It all started with Ishmael and Isaac. It all started when Abraham said, you know what, maybe Sarah, you're right. But it's very interesting what happens between the moment of righteousness that is imputed to him because of his faith and then the moment God does this blessing in chapter 17. That's, it's, it's, it's crazy the difference that happens there. Expectations are created when we have an idea about something but don't know how it's going to play out. The initial idea may actually be good. It may even be godly. But because we don't know how it's going to end, we tend to put our hands in the dough and we try to fix the outcome ourselves and 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 we're being controlled in that moment we're allowing the enemy to rule us and you know maybe it comes from a genuine desire to help like god i really want to help you with this <coughs> it's like when your kids want to break the eggs in the pancake mix i'm gonna be picking eggshells out right that's what happens 
It's not because they're trying to be wrong or they're trying to do it wrong. They just... So see, you helping God doesn't really work out really well. Maybe that comes from past hurts, though. Maybe you've got some hurts in your life, and you're like, God, I don't know if I can let you control the situation because I've let other people control situations and have been burned every time. Step one is to stop believing that God is like the people that hurt you. That's step one. Because to put God in line with the people that hurt you is so unfair to him. Can I tell you something else? It's unfair to you. And here's why it's unfair to you. Because you rob God of being able to bless you. He's trying to get you to chapter 17. You live in chapter 16. Maybe it's some orphan spirit narrative issues. If anything happens for me, I got to make it happen. No one's going to help me. I'm all alone. I have to work and prove I'm worth it. That's the definition of an orphan. Okay? It's time to get free. It's time to get free. So as you leave today, grab a copy of the book on the shelf out there. You don't even got to pay for it. Just you take it. Go get free. Yeah. I believe the crux of this point lies in two verses from what we've just read. The first is Genesis 15, uh, 6. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And then 17, 18. Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. So between those two verses, here's what happens. Um, God spoke the promise. Abram and Sarai doubted the process. Abram listened to another voice, that's Sarai, and then Abram fathered a son. Let me tell you something real quick. A lot of times in your life, the voice that actually is robbing you of the experience that God wants to have with you or robbing you from the promise comes from somebody very close. Now listen, they're not doing it to be mean most of the times, but sometimes that close voice brings doubt into where God wants you to have faith. Now, some might say, well, I'm just trying to help you see the negatives so you can get over the negatives. Okay, but if you're going to help somebody see the negative, you better sure let somebody see the positive. You better do both. Like, that's even the messages here. We don't let people get up here and preach just negative, negative, negative. I got to have a reason. I got to give you some hope. David said it was was the, the goodness of God that caused him to not have to lose hope. I got to see you some goodness in the middle of this. The reason Abram was so adamant that God see Ishmael was because in Abram's mind, he'd solved the problem already. I think it interesting that in chapter 15, God says you're going to have a son. But in chapter 17, God gives the son a name. As I was thinking about that, I wondered why that was. And I'm, I'm convinced a lot of times that God will give you a glimpse of what he wants for you because he wants you to have faith in him to work the process out. Like, let me give you an example, like a real world example of that. I remember one time Jimmy Evans talking about him speaking at Lakewood one time and somebody took a picture from backstage of him speaking at Lakewood and, um, you know, it was from his, he was out there on the platform. It was back in the, you know, of course, Lakewood is giant. And so, but he said when he saw the photo, he'd seen the photo before. He says, what I mean is that when he was a young man, God gave him a glimpse of this exact image. And here it is before his eyes in in reality. So God will sometimes give you a little glimpse of what your life is to look like because he wants you to trust him in it. He wants you to trust him. Now, we see later on that God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. We see that. And you think, okay. Uh, God, what you doing? Like, that's a crazy thing. But listen to me. God will often ask you to sacrifice expectations that have elevated themselves above him because he will not allow the expectation to be more powerful and prominent in your life than he is. Okay? So what God will ask you to do is to sacrifice the thing that you think that you love the most. Now, that's a mean God. No, it's not. Listen to me. 
if Abraham would have lived in the faith that he got in, in, in chapter 15 and continued in faith in chapter 16 and continued in faith in chapter 17, would God have ever had to offer, get him to offer Isaac? Could it be that the reason God asked him to offer Isaac was simply because he'd made an idol of the expectation before Isaac was ever born? And Abram wanted to make sure, God wanted to make sure that Abraham really was on board. So when you're over here talking about, I don't know why God's asking me to give this up. Maybe you lost faith two chapters ago. I'm, ask, I'm, I'm just asking. Maybe something happened to, come on, man, I hear it right now. A voice spoke to you at some point in your past and stifled the power of God's promise inside of you. And God has called it. He's even given it a name. He says, I will make it miraculously come to pass. But you still are so wrapped up in the doubt that came from that voice. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of that voice. In the name of Jesus, it's done. Believe God. Righteousness was accounted to Abraham, not because he was righteous, but simply for believing Abram, though, was adamant that God see Ishmael. It fed so much of his flesh. He, he got the I fixed it endorphin rush that we get sometimes. Come on, fellas. I'm talking to you guys. Y'all know when you fix it? Woo! Yes. Got it done. You weren't, weren't the drill two times just to prove it. You know what I'm saying? He'd proven that he could have a son. He'd proven that he wasn't the problem. Come on, man. How many of y'all have that conversation with God? God, it ain't me. It's the people around me. It's that wife you gave me, Jesus. She ain't in here, so I can say it. But he'd also inadvertently created a problem so big that we're still dealing with it today. And don't let it slide that in Genesis 16.1, we learn that Ishmael's mother was an Egyptian. Why is that important? Why, every word of the Bible is important. Why is that word important? It's because Abraham fathered a child with the nation whose abuse to Abraham's children would be so severe that it literally created the entire nation of Israel's historical identity even to this day. All they care about is what Moshe said, what Moses said. Don't even for a second believe that your actions don't have drastic and severe consequences. Every word, every deed, every thought, they all matter. What they do is they create the materials for your expectation to build with. And the result is a reckless series of actions that actually work to hinder what God has for you, not to help it. But God, I'm just helping you. You're making it worse. Hebrews 11, 17 through 18 says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac up, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, "Though I, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. By faith. You see, Abraham is the father of faith, but it's clear that he didn't have faith in those moments. He didn't have faith. But, but it's weird because you see his faith ebbing and flowing. Come on, we're just like him. Our faith ebbs and flows because he has faith in 15, lost it in 16, lost it in 17. But then he goes to offer up his son Isaac and he tells the people walk with him, hey, me and the boy are going to go worship and we shall return. That's faith. Yeah. It's faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Absolutely. Are, do you have faith in your life, or are you allowing your expectation to make you reckless? 
What expectations do you have that are making you reckless? God promised this, but he needs my help. God said that, but it isn't happening quickly enough. God showed me this, but I can't see how it's going to happen. That is not faith. Faith makes you, makes you wait and trust when expectation is pushing you to act. Is your expectation of how God is going to accomplish his word in your life causing you to be reckless instead of faithful? Here's the second one here. Number two, expectation trades a lot for a little. Losing him was blue like I'd never known. Missing him was dark gray all alone. Forgetting him was like trying to know somebody you never met. But loving him was red. There's a fine line between Taylor Swift and Garth Brooks. Now, hey, don't you throw your phone at me yet. Just hold on a second. Let me explain why. Missing him was gray, but loving him was red. Verses, could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. Right? Come on. Y'all know that song. Some of y'all inside you just like this right now. Just, you know, like. That's a good song, ain't it? That's it. They're close. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Is what you're left with worth the pain? Let me give you perspective on this. Um, is the feeling you get from acting out in your flesh worth the fallout? Is, is, is that sin that you are actively engaged in really worth the separation that you have with God right now? Was your getting your justice worth the price you had to pay to get it? Okay, follow-up question. Do you like who you are once the dust settles? What is sin? Sin defined in James 4.17 is whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him that's sin. You know what you should do and you don't do it. So the converse is actually true as well. If you know you're not supposed to do something, you do it anyway, that's sin. Okay, so both, is, both are true. It's rarely ever the boulders that trip us but the pebbles. Song of Solomon says in, verse, in chapter 2 verse 15, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Matthew Henry says it like this. He says, seize the little foxes, the first risings of sin, those sins that seem little, for they often prove very, very dangerous. You see, a lot of times what happens in our lives is we allow the little sins and we don't realize how they are impacting us. We allow the little compromises and we don't see what they're really doing. We don't, we don't really understand what's really, really going on. And so what we do is we give in to these little moments of sin because we don't really think that they're going to have that big of an impact. But let me tell you something right now. Oftentimes it's the little sins that create the biggest issues in your life. Okay? Drink 10 little cans of Dr. Pepper every day and then tell me how that's going to work out for you. You'd be walking around with a tuba following you. You know what I'm saying? Like... Sometimes those little decisions are tiny and sometimes they're huge, but most times those little decisions create huge results. Yeah. We've all had moments in our lives where we have to make these decisions, and I get that. But here's what the Bible tells us in Matthew 16, 26. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Here's what you've got to understand. Even the little decisions are all about your soul. They all are. They're about your witness. They're about what you do. They're about your purpose being realized. It's about all of that stuff. Are the decisions you're making driving you towards God's promise or are they simply fueling your expectation? Sin always promises heaven, but it always delivers hell every single time. And Adam and Eve knew that more than anybody. The snake said, hey, 
Y'all be like God. You're going to be like God if you eat this. Promised heaven, but delivered hell. Now, whether that sin is little or big, it still creates separation. But big sinful lifestyles often start with a little sinful lie. So, what are the little foxes in your life right now that are causing you to doubt God? What, what are the little lies? Like every time you walk into work and you think they don't value you. That little, that first it just started off as a little voice, but now it's become a little lie that you've begun to believe. And so you walk in expecting to be devalued. And so you live a devalued life because that's how people treat you anyway. And you ignore the fact that God laid his son down for you. What about every time you walk into your house, you see shoes on the floor and you automatically think they don't care about me enough to clean up after themselves. Come on, man, I'm really getting down to the house, ain't I now? What if it means that your kids are just so comfortable where they live that they feel like they can just be who they are? I mean, they need, they need, look, they need to clean up. Don't get me wrong. They need to clean up. Don't get me wrong. Take care of your stuff. But I would rather have my kid so free and willing to just be who they are rather than scared to death every time they turn around. So what are the little lies? What are the little lies about your finances? You, oh, I need this. Really? You really need that? Or do you just want it? And that little need or that little want becomes a problem. Now you can't make rent or something. can't pay your bills. Yeah. This is the stuff I'm talking about. We have to realize that the little stuff can translate into the big stuff, and we've got to make sure we're taking care of it. So how do we stop this mindset? Remember, I'm going to give you some theology but, and some thought process, but I'm also going to give you some, uh, some how-to here, some practicum. So first you have to stop having more faith in your expectation than you do in God. Okay, don't have more faith in your expectation than you do God. That's just idolatry. Don't put no Jesus glitter on it. It's just idolatry. That's all it is. The second part is, um, is simply this. You actually have to repent. I mean, like actually repent. Okay, whether you know it or not, whether you know what you're doing is wrong, the Bible will tell you, or you don't, the Bible will show you. You actually have to repent. And repent is just like, oh, sorry, God, did it again. Promise I won't do it again if you'll do this. No, 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 no. Repenting is, God, I'm sorry, and I'm never going to do that again. You know what stop, what sin means? It means stop it now. S-I-N, stop it now. That's what sin is. So stop, repent. Stop doing it. Well, if I do that, though, my whole life has to change, okay? If, yeah, you're right. If you stop doing that, some things in your life are going to change. But here we are again. You get to pick your pain. Do you want the pain right now of a life that's changing, or do you want the pain of hell for eternity? Remember, Jesus gets as crazy to say, if your hand is causing you to sin, because it's better for you to go into heaven with a no hand than to spend eternity in hell. Now, just as an interesting thought process, imagine y'all took that literally this week. How disabled would you be when you walked in? I'd be in pain. You know why? Because I'm not perfect either. It's like this stuff breaks my heart for myself too. Because I myself find myself wrapped up in believing in expectation more than God sometimes. I do. I'm not one of these pastors that thinks that I have to live a shiny life before you guys. I want you all to see my victories and my failures. Because you, if you see me fail, then you can see me rise. 
and it'll give you hope to see you rise. I struggle with this too. I'm a fixer by nature. And a lot of times it's hard for me to listen to people's problems because after the first sentence, I've already found the solution. And I just want to say, hey, you need to do this. But no, that, I, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I have to, you, you have to. You need to listen. Sometimes a lot of the process is just letting people talk it out. But I'm a fixer. And so when God says, hey, Jason, I want you to go plant a church, I went into fix-it mode. When we're having struggles with church, I go into fix-it mode. When we're having problems with the facility, I go into fix-it mode. And when I'm having problems in my own world, my own life, and my own thought process, I go into fix-it mode. Can I just be real with you guys? Can I be really real, real transparent? I find sometimes I don't go to my knees as quickly as I should. I don't, I start with my strength and not his strength. That's just the realness of it. This is the realness of being a human that struggles. So like I'm not mad at Abraham for chapter 16 and 17. I feel you, bro. I feel you. I know how you can have so much faith in 15. And then you go into the world and you hear all the voices thrown at you. And you can begin to doubt and doubt and struggle and hurt. I feel you, man. I feel you. But more than anything, I just want to let God change my name and for me to have the faith that when I get to Hebrews 11, come on, man, they look at me and say, this guy was full of faith. That's what we all want. We want to be full of faith. Last thing is this. Expectation leads to regret. Remembering him comes in flashbacks and echoes, telling myself it's time now. I just got to let go. But moving on from him is impossible when I still see it all in my head and burning red. Does that sound like regret or what? How would her life have been different if rather than seeing love as red, she saw it as a red flag instead? But boy, howdy, do we fall on that trap so much too. We get so excited about something that we ignore the red flags. Girl, I love wasn't red. It was a red flag. Matthew 19, 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. This is the story of the rich young ruler. This is the saddest, most tragic words I think they're in the entire Bible. His sadness came from two things, in my opinion. First, that his life was going to drastically change if he did this. I mean, you know, it's what happens though when a noun defines you. He was defined by his money, by what he had, Okay. So if you can't imagine a life without a thing, that thing has you. It's a really good test of whether something has you or not. I can't live without this. Really? Could you really live without it? And if you can't, that thing is your idol. Okay? That's the truth. So in that moment, though, you not only regret that you can't change, you regret the situation that you're in because it's trying to change you. Now, the first thing I said was that his life would drastically change. But the other thing is that his life would, would drastically change. This would end up being, the, I promise you, the biggest regret of his entire life, the moment he walks away from Jesus. He may not have experienced that in that moment, but at some point in his life, he realized, I made a massive mistake. We're all too similar to this dude. We're all too similar to Taylor Swift in this song. We believe the lie. We wrap ourselves up in expectation and experience regret when, we are expe- when what we expected to happen doesn't happen, and worse, when it goes south. Do you have any regrets that were born out of ungodly expectations in your life right now? So what do you do about them? First, repent. 
You messed up. You know it. God knows it. Everybody knows it. But remember, if you're faithful to confess and repent, He's faithful to forgive and restore. The last part is this, be faithful. Be faithful to the one who gave you the word, not the word itself. Too too many times people want a word. Number one, God is not going to give you a new word until you've done the last word. Okay, so y'all over here trying to get a new word. You better do the last word. And if you don't know what the last word was, go read the Bible. That's a word for you. God's word will accomplish its purpose with or without you. Which incidentally is another great song. With or without you. Okay, I'm sorry. Listen to me, guys. God doesn't need your help. He just needs your faithfulness. Being faithful means you trust Him for the outcome. It means being willing to do what needs to be done to see God's plan accomplished. Now listen, this is not a message today that's saying just sit and do nothing. It's all going to work out. When she met this fellow, she probably wasn't trying to sin. She definitely wasn't trying to do the right thing, though. Just all she cared about was red. Her biggest issue was that she refused to see what she needed to see. She refused to get counsel. Some of y'all scared to death to tell somebody what's really going on in your life. They're going to think bad about me. Okay, what are they going to think about you when you're in a Maserati wrecked at the end of a dead-end street? Okay, first they'd be like, why was you driving down? Yeah, like, I wanted to say it, but I didn't. Somebody in the audience said it. That's okay. She didn't pray about it. She didn't seek the word on it. She didn't do the right thing on it. I think she was just so excited to have a relationship that she forgot everything else. When you sow what your flesh sows, you get the fruit that your flesh grows. So don't expect to sow fleshly seeds and get spiritual fruit. Okay? I'm not telling you to don't try. I'm not telling you not to take steps. I'm not telling you don't reach forward. I'm saying listen to the voice of God more than the voice of your flesh, more than the voice of people around you, more than your wants, more than your expectations. Okay? That's what I'm asking you to do. Here's how we're going to land today. I'm going to read you this last verse, and I'm going to ask you to do some things here. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. I want you to hear that. The promise was no longer a thing that God talked about. It was tangible. It was in his hands. He had the fulfillment. And God said, Offer it to me. And Abram said, No problem, God. How? He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. How could he think like that? How could he believe that? I'll tell you why. Because a barren old lady gave a birth to a boy. Sometimes what you need to do is look back at the last miracle to give you faith for the next miracle. But your expectation will keep you blind to that. Your expectation will have you solely focused on what you want and what you're not getting, not what God has done and will do. Let's flip the script. So how do you flip the script? You lay your expectation on the altar. But that's my purpose. Is God big enough to resurrect it? I just want you to do what God's asking you to do. So could you just take a moment right now and bow your head? I just want to give you the opportunity to have a moment with you and God.
whatever God spoke to you, whatever your purpose is, whatever he has for you, the waiting on God's timing and fulfillment, listen to me, family, it's worth it. It's worth the wait. What does God want you to lay on that altar today? What expectation is keeping you from walking out the purpose he has for you? Whatever it is, it's time, guys. It's time for a sacrifice. It's time. Father, we come before you right now, God, and it's, we, we first just want to say thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise. God, thank you that you filled us with purpose. Thank you that you have a plan for my life. As crazy as it's gone, things that have been allowed in my life, things that I have been a part of, things that I've done, things that I've created, God, I still thank you that no matter all those things, you have a plan for me. God, I'm asking you right now in the name of Jesus to forgive me for being impatient. God, forgive me for trying to do it on my own. Forgive me for trying to help you. God, I know there have been times where you've been picking eggshells out of my pancake, but God, I'm asking you to forgive me for that. Forgive me. I repent, God. I'm not going to do that mess anymore. I'm going to trust you no matter what. And lastly, God, I simply right now in this moment, I commit to your plan. I commit to your purpose. But God, also your timing. Why is this happening to me now, God? Because that's when God wanted it to happen. God, I commit to your process. God, this hurts. Yep. But wait till you have the promise in your hands. And it stops being something that you wish for and you hope for and you look forward to. But it's something you get to enjoy. Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus right now that you speak to your people. Whatever they need to lay on this altar, I'm asking you to do that today. I'm asking you to to give them the courage to do what they need to do. Whether it's reach out to somebody. Whether it's come to this altar and pray. Maybe it's pray with somebody. Whatever it is, God. Right now, give them the boldness inside of their hearts to do what you need them to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.